0: Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Tonight we have on Nick. Nick is the lead singer and guitarist of Cutting Crew. How are
1: you doing, man? Hi, Sean. I'm very well, thank you. Yes. Uh, after two bleak years, things seem to be slowly turning their corner, yeah.
0: Well, I'm glad you're here. You were promoting, kind of over this year, is Ransomed, Healed, Restored, and Forgiven, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I'm waiting for you add, like, vaccinated to the end of that list of um, <laughs> the title. <laughs> so... <laughs> we'll hop into the music first before we kind of get sidetracked as i know i will what happened i believe at one point in 2015 you you had been talking about this the title of this already you've had this title for a while right
1: yeah i think actually this is completely off the cuff hang on oh yeah i didn't actually think i was going to be doing in this room but look there you go this is one of my things i do um There's hundreds of things written on a piece of wallpaper here that, yeah. over the years, that I stick up. They're titles, or or maybe not titles, maybe lyrics. And "ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven" is um, a line from a hymn. Did you know that? No. Yeah. Um, Praise my soul, the King of Heaven, to His feet, Thy tribute bring. Ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. And I'm I'm not a Christian or anything, but I always remember that line and thinking what a cool line one day so when we started re-recording old material I thought ransomed healed restored and possibly the fans will forgive me besides redoing your four of the singles really is on
0: there were your big singles right um the orchestra it just makes a especially you know down your arms even a bigger lusher
1: sound you know yeah it's um it's a gorgeous orchestra. It's in Prague and Slovenia. We did it two, two different orchestras. Sometimes we got both orchestras to play the same part. We put them together as well. Um, something I'd never done before. And, and honestly, without getting um, you know sloppy here, but um, you know, putting the headphones on and singing to an orchestra is uh, you know a lifetime's dream. And it was very emotional. on Some of those uh, big ballads. You know, you just the, almost the lyrics just meaning something else after all these years. Um, but thank you. Yeah, I'm very proud of it. Um it we certainly got a beautiful arranger in. He would, he said, Look, do you want to be involved in in the arrangements? And I said, Well, you know, I I can read music, but I can't write charts. But if you want to involve me, so he said, Why don't we why don't you tell me song by song your ideas of tone? And I said, No, I can do better than that because I know my classical music really well. No, I'll tell you the composer or or a piece that maybe it could be a little bit like. So um, Climb aboard is um I think a little bit Mendelssohn and um there's some Rachmaninoff in there as well. So I really enjoyed the whole process.
0: What it's really interesting is I think, you know, and you said you guys considered yourselves more of a rock band early on with the guitars, because you had really rocky rocking guitars, but you guys had that that synthier sound too. So I think that kind of like pushed you into the popier end because you had really rocky guitars. I think yeah. to me you guys sounded more like you've been more like um. Well, like, yes, in the 80s, too. Really strong guitar melodies, but the keyboards are in there, too.
1: Did, I'll, you, I'll take it, that. I'll take that. I mean, you yeah,
0: find that to be a challenge to find an audience besides just the balladeers?
1: Absolutely. Um, as the time's gone by, we've got Rocky. I mean, it's absolutely a rock band now. I mean, it's, right. It rocks. Back then, the marketing on the band was quite pop, you know, especially in Britain. Um, the way that we were sold, um, excuse me, but um, it, I think we've always, it's been one of the biggest um, invisible problems that cutting crews always had, and that is, what are they? You know, um, they don't, are, are they Canadian? Are they British? Um, you know, because there's a Canadian guitarist. Is it pop? You know, some of those early songs were quite fluffy, um, and then we go on stage and play, and like, oh, well, what is this? So um, it's kind of worked against us, but, but in another way, you know, you... we've got fans all over the world so it kind of you know it it was a big net that was cast
0: right it's not a bad thing by any means but i mean because yeah you were still talking today you're you know you wrote a song that everybody knows that's 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 insane (laughs) you know to to imagine how big that is i mean so to that point but like as we go through your albums you know if listen to them you're broadcasting you know it's the scattering and then um compass but then Grinning Souls kind of starts changing and add to favorites feels like there's R&B in there yeah like that feels like Um, a real change
1: totally Grinning Souls was uh, on the way to change that was when Kevin my true friend and guitarist died yeah so I was living in the Caribbean then well um sounds very posh doesn't it (laughs) and um it was just right to I went up and stayed with him for the last sort of six months of his life and whilst I was there, I met all these young, great musicians, Halifax, Nova Scotia. You want to go and see some great players, you know, you get, you get a fiddle band, you get a rock yeah. band, you get a, you get a Motown band, you know, wonderful melting pot of music. So I kind of thought, hmm, these guys are really cool. So I went back up after Kevin had died and, and made that album. It was an angry, scruffy, you know, kind of, um, I don't care what what really happens with the album, you know, maybe I had to get it out of me. But add to favourites... Absolutely, was um, the first time really when I didn't have a record deal and I could, you know, self-financed. And I'm not suggesting that A&R men and record companies tie you down, but there's certainly a lot of editing. There. <laughs> you don't have to you say know. that. I'll say that. They do. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of editing. You know, so why would you right. want to put that song? That's So I had complete right. control. And um, as it says, add to favorites. It's me tipping my hat to um, some Otis Redding in there with the with the, the brass. Yeah. Jackson Brown, um, even um, Warren Zebon in one of the songs. You know, I loved it. I had a great time. But yeah, well spotted. Lots of new uh, girl singers for
0: the first time ever. That's why it's interesting to hear that. And then you, then this one has the, the orchestra. is totally different. Like, I think it would be more of a continuation. And to me, Grinning Still feels like more of it's like a healing album for you. You're working through some stuff. It's very cathartic. You know, it's a moving forward point for you. And that's when you it get your new guitarist, too, that you have now, right? Uh, Garth? Gareth, yeah. Gareth, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. So that's kind of, it feels like that was kind of the beginning of that process for you.
1: It was. That was, um, you know, you, you, sometimes you sort of take me into a nice area that I haven't thought about for a long time. That is, when Kevin died, you know, it's all about losing your friend, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, just so happens he played guitar in cutting crew. Um, and he was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was the end of that era. Totally, no, there was no point. I couldn't see any reason. I remember mean, speaking to his daughters and saying, "I'm going to put um, the, the, the Grinning Souls album." I actually did release it under the name of another band. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So when he died, you know that was absolutely didn't think twice about ever being cutting through again. Um, and we actually released the Grinning Souls album. Um, as by a band called Grinning Souls, and the album is called Capture. There's only about a hundred of them ever made. You yeah, know, very rare. Um, but it, well, I think my point is that you know, so you never think you'll meet another person that can do that. And, and I met Gareth. He was playing with a guy called Jim Diamond, who's an English uh, pop star. PhD was his band, um, mm. and he. I just saw him playing, and I thought, I, you know, I poached him literally. I said, please, please come and. You know, just come and join. And when when he sat down with guitars like this, we would, you know, we would be playing like. And within ten seconds, he was playing exactly. You know, he'd spotted the, my feel, and uh so he's—I'll he, never say he's my new Kevin, but he's my best friend and bloody great guitarist.
0: Well, that's, that's good. You, you know, you guys have taken the video because I like there's a. The never fall in love. The, ger- the German video. I guess they put a piece together. It's you guys, you and Kevin, like on a train or something. It's like the best bromance video because there's are about love, and it's like you guys together. I'm like, Aw. <laughs> But it's,
1: it's,
0: yeah. it's, it's really, it's really actually nice knowing the history
1: of you guys. It's really kind of a nice thing looking back to see that that moment. Yeah, very natural. He was um he was older than me, and um he came into my life about a year before my dad died. So. Um, it, it was. He was like a, an old. Uh, he wasn't ever a father figure, but he had a lot of wisdom. He had a lot of old issues. Yeah, <laughs> he, he had a lot of issues. Dear God, but um, he was also wise. And uh, yeah, so you know the way things life mm. goes like that.
0: You know. that's that's really that's really funny. I like that. So while we're talking here, what happened? It's, it's out there. And it says between broadcast and the scattering, which is a really good album. I know you, that's one of your favorite songs. I actually put that up in one of my favorite ones with you also. The time difference what was dragging behind i've read different spots like you know you guys are having problems with the management are they being slow uh, when you between time the albums? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah because i mean labels know that they know better they know they got a hit when it's, when it was hot you guys are hot and, you know I'm surprised they didn't have you make a new album while the singles were out.
1: Yeah it killed us it killed us absolutely that, that one year I mean we we got the album that you know the scattering album was, was ready within album. a year yeah and some lovely songs on it and it was a progression the band wanted to be involved a bit more kevin was starting to write um and uh we got we hit that uh, naming no names we hit that heavy hitting american um record company execs who just said it's really good you know but just you know not really hearing that died in your arms and i'd be like you know, uh, please, please don't do that one on me. You know, and the, the, that thing, young musicians who are watching this, um, you know, don't think that suddenly you get all this power just because you've had a massive hit. There's still these big guys that run the record businesses. So it was, and so they sent us away, and we'd sit and write another song. In fact, Rock and a Hard Place is a send-up of of Um, Died in Your Arms. The the opening riff is the yeah. cello line from Died in Your Arms backwards. And the record company didn't even get it. They said, "This is great. We'll release it as the first single." (laughs) It's painful. We lost a lot. We lost a lot of ground. Yeah, we lost 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 the
0: momentum. I mean, the band was growing, but then the publicity you lost because '89, as it was, the '80s were, I think, were one of the best times for music because you have a lot of different artists on the radio. You could have, you know, Prince, Neil Opera, you guys, Mm Randy Rhoads, you know, uh, Colin Hay, but all different types of pop music i guess for lack of a better word but it was all very different it's not like you hear a lot of the same it was varied and once the 90s 89 90s started coming music changed like it wiped out like hard rock but it even changed for pop music pop music kind of got into that whole two four programmed you know voiceover you know thing where you're not even singing anymore and you're just auto-tuning you and you were right in the cusp of that. That's getting released, right? When that kind of music was starting to come out.
1: Yeah, you describe it well. I mean, the two things happened, and that is just about at the end of the 80s when we were releasing that album and many other 80s bands. You oh, know, music yeah. Changed. Dance music was coming in. You know, I was sitting in the offices in Bel Air in, in L.A., you know, at Virgin. Now mean, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they just signed Janet Jackson, you know. Yep. So... And these wonderful bands in Britain, bands like um, Soul to Soul and uh, Nina Cherry, great, you know, great um, urban acts coming. I could see it, you know, we're standing there with our big, big jackets and uh, big hair. Uh, you know, it was it was tricky times. But also you do make the point about the song. Why I think the 80s is a, is a special decade. I'm not sure it's my favourite decade, but um, dance music and programming and groove hadn't really become part of the scene you know as you know where you can play like a, a skippity f- for right. the whole group so you had to write songs you had to write tunes you had to write big big melodies so crowded house were doing it we were doing it just like colin hay was doing it but all in a different take and right. so that's why it's, it's immensely so interesting, interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah and that's why i mean it's not like you know i'm, I'm 51 and I'd be like oh you know the 80s is the best time it's not like when you know, go back to like the 70s or the 60s or the a big bopper, like all that kind of stuff as a favorite of your age period i really think from the 80s back it's more the songwriting really has changed at the end of the 80s just overall for there's great songs in the 70s and 60s songwriting has changed and i saw a thing i don't know if you've seen it on um on youtube there some uh vocalists he keeps he's, he's saying he's not putting you down but he's comparing he breaks down like vocal isolation of you singing have you seen this
1: yes um can't remember his name but it, recently
0: they did me Woo. yeah so I, I don't watch him i actually that's the one i saw and he was being okay about it but i, I was interesting because one of the things that he brought up and i think it was talking about the vocals and i think it's something that brad Brown vocals in you and i was like he thought it was a little off and to me i actually thought i like a little dissonance in it i actually think it works better i didn't think it was off i think it made sense that it was like that on purpose yeah you know yeah. i i, I like that live feeling i liked the way the voices work and the difference and they weren't you know, I actually disagree with his breakdown of that because of that. It, you know, it's not because i it's just live sounds better.
1: Yeah, um, uh, you've got to have some feel. You know, not everything has to fit and be lined up. And uh, I know he wasn't getting out perfect, but yeah. In fact, I'll tell you um, a true story about that recording of that lead vocal for I Just Died in Your Arms. Um, we were in Air Studios, George Martin Studios in Oxford Street in London, Um and, which was pretty amazing, because we hadn't even had a hit record. You know, we told you that. Hi, George, you know, all this kind of stuff. We were little nobodies. And um, my girlfriend was eight and a half months pregnant at that time. And she's standing she's standing outside the vocal booth going like this. You know, <laughs> we got to get back. Because we lived 30, 40 miles from London. And I remember... Doing the vocal, and then, okay, all right, all right. Just let I me. Mean, only you now. People. You can be like, I'll, excuse me, right? One of the biggest songs ever going to be. You need to wait uh, one more minute. <laughs> exactly. And Terry Brown, who produced it, you know, the, the wonderful, best, oh, he's fantastic.
0: Uh, yeah, he's fantastic. The work he's he'll done.
1: back me up on that story because I remember him saying like, you know, Andrea, please.
0: <laughs> he did a good job, and that was the thing. Like, you can talk about the difference in the singing in that song, and, and, and or it's also the album, the live effect. There are different things you can pull out about, but you can do it with all the albums the album still sounds, you don't hear, you don't hear the difference of things. It's it's totally mixed. Perfect. You, you wouldn't even have heard it unless it was isolated. But when you can isolate it, you can hear those things, then do a mix and make everything
1: work. It
0: even says so much more for it, you know.
1: Well, Terry, Terry's mastery is, he's an engineer. So, you know, I never got involved in any of that. My God, the hours he spent on that effing drum kit, you know, just drove us all mad. But, it sounds fantastic. I'm sure he did the same with Neil Peart, you know. Um, but as soon as it gets into the realm of the song and the arrangement, you know, he's not didactic. He'll sit and listen. Everybody chipped in. Probably Kevin and I had more to say than the other two lads who were wonderful on it. But he has that ensemble thing. And, you know, it, that's how I think, A, it sounded so good, but it still sounds fresh. I think also, um, if you want, you know, if you, if you are interested... <laughs> um yeah. Because it's got the guitar, it's m- mostly a guitar band. That's why I think we've stuck around longer than others. It does have synth in there, but even those, are f- they're not, again, I'm not saying like Howard Jones or Human League who are bigger than Cunning Crew, but they've got that 80s synthy thing, you know, mm-hmm. whereas we on American radio, I think, have many, many more legs because of the guitar edge. I think that's true.
0: It does have, it, has, it almost feels like it's a, it's a progressive guitar sound in effect that it was used on it back then. It was very like like it's always said yes, you know. Very Trevor Rabbit, you know. It's got that that somehow the effects in it. it was, there was a certain sound back then. So that mixed with the, the keyboard in that one song, you know, kind of. Well, good. you're obviously
1: you're obviously a guitarist, Sean. I mean, he, do you know yeah, what he Roland. played mostly? It? it was a Roland guitar synth. Was his main guitar, and really? it was a beautiful Stratocaster. He just turned. He barely used the synth sound. It was just that gorgeous Roland. Strat uh, through whatever pedals he had. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, actually,
0: you take there. You're a nice guitar player yourself. There, you played. Um, what's what's your favorite type of guitar? There, what do you got going on there? I know you've played Fender. You play um, all guitars,
1: but I've got a Taylor 12 string, and, and yeah, Taylor sent me quite a lot of stuff, which is lovely. Um, um, I normally would on stage play. Uh, mm-hmm. I could see play, it,
0: yeah, um, I've seen like a slim uh-huh. down fender, like a half. That was oh, really what you nice. got here. This one. Oh, that's the that, that old
1: telly. That's a telly.
0: Yep, yeah. yeah, no, that, uh, dude, that's awesome.
1: I'll tell you what I really like is this one. It's only a squire, but it's a beautiful guitar. Coming back. <laughs> Can you see that? One? Oh, that's nice. I like that. Yeah, it's um it's just a, you know, it's it's a it's a fender, but it's um it's just gorgeous. Something about the hole just makes it sustain. Anyway, I'm a rhythm guitarist. I, can't, I couldn't play lead guitar to save my life. Um, no, but you do a lot, um, of, a
0: lot of picking with your fingers, though. You, don't, you, you always see you play uh, with a pick. You do your fingers a lot. You know? Yeah. Um, so you do, do your own lead playing, because to carry a song and be picking at different times, be, uh... and, and picking out the song...
1: It's half picking half strumming and with the flamenco you know thumb on the top yeah that's how i was
0: taught. i find myself watching you play guitar when you're i see you singing live in the video i'm watching your hands on the guitar yeah. it's very enjoyable so yeah i wouldn't cut yourself down too slow as a rhythm guitarist <laughs> um because there's some beautiful string gauges what are you using for string gauges on your acoustic
1: oh gosh um it's um
0: Okay, now you've got me. 11, yeah. 16, t- 21, 36, 46, 56. Okay, cool. That's I love hybrid. to ask that question because you always hear the craziest things or somebody has only like, I don't use five strings. I don't even use, you know, whatever. Or I use, <laughs> or, I just, or like you know, I've had people do pop stars and they're, they're, they're thick, 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 like, you know, like Stevie Ray Vaughan thick under strings and they have like, you know, ballads. It's always fun to hear how that sound, you know, But they tell like you to what use. i do.
1: tell you what I do a lot, which um, you may have spotted in, uh, think about broadcasts so of the song Sahara. And, and on will add to favourites, there's a song called Saint-Ferrien. And it's, it's no, no, no black magic going on here, folks. But I love it because in my previous band, The Drivers, they were a three-piece and you had to have all kinds of tricks to kind of keep it interesting or fill the So you know, open E tuning. So this is an E. Yeah. Um, and I use that a lot for writing. So Sahara, Sahara. We don't want to get there. But uh, that for anybody that wants to have a different take and, and write a song in a second
0: tune into an opening and you got that <laughs> well it also it's the untrained ear people don't catch the difference or realize the nuances of it. it just sounds full you're filling the space with something that's in tune and that's there's a melody people are like okay you know yeah yeah
1: they, they probably don't know and don't care but i just know that for writing you know this is so hard After i've been writing for i'm 63 now so i've been writing for too long some people will say and um you know you you, you run out of tricks you know so just things like that sometimes i even detune it completely chaotic and, and put my fingers down and go oh my god that's the best chord ever invented you know completely unplayable <laughs> you gotta look up what, the, what
0: it's called actually um as songwriting, so what is that? Are you just writing to
1: come up with the music? Or you, I know you get the lyrics on the wall, but are you doing like a melody? How does it come to you? Yeah, never, ever do I sit down and say, I, you know, saw a dreadful story about a, you know, a kid in Morocco. I'm going to write a song about it. I, I can't do that. It's, it's all about hard work and phonetics out of the, out of the mouth, and mm-hmm. putting your hands down, I, I wrote mostly on piano now anyway, um, but happy accidents and, you know, if so they see that you are, you know, just make, just be brave enough to make sounds and then listen to it back and then you go, hang on, they said, oh, they said, You uh, know. that's how it'll start, then you've got the, the craft of being a songwriter, you think yeah. what they're singing about, you know. is this and then you unpick it but very rarely do I sit down with a project titles are always good you know if we go back to that bit of paper you know it's what I love it and then if they're stuck up on the wall so we've got what do we got here no time wasters I'd love to dance but my feet won't let me when push comes (laughs) to shove um Walk right back into the combat zone. Oh, I love this one. No stilettos, no stereo. That's an advert when people, <laughs> they, they don't want to, when you're renting a flat and they say, yeah. no stilettos, no stereo.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Those are great. Uh, looks like my old book covers in school. He's covered my book and write, write things all over them. It's all all weathered looking. Yeah. And, and so
1: you, the, the, got, um,
0: all- yeah, it's got all kinds of things. That, so go back. to so, with this newest release, with, with Ransom Healed, Restored and Forgiven, besides having the, you know, He Just Died, you also do Everything But My Pride, you do um, Been in Love, and, and you also do um, ah,
1: One for the Mockingbird.
0: Mockingbird. Mockingbird, yeah, Mockingbird, you just gave me for a minute there, and then other songs. It's like giving a second shot some of them, too. I think Mockingbird didn't really get a full, a full chance out there. Hopefully more ears will hear it now, you know, because I think that was, that was where you were struggling, I think. The audience was kind of Weaning on you you know hmm. i don't think you guys had to support the yeah. labels what it was
1: yeah no it didn't take long you know we had we had a very brief uh we were, went around the world three times you know it was whirlwind, but it didn't take long no i think the new album is um uh you know we've spoken about the orchestra there are two new songs on that well one song from um uh from grinning souls called no drum yeah. child which is uh, that was pretty water. interesting you put it on there yeah yeah, I wanted that to happen. That's my favourite song to sing live. Absolutely. Very, you know, from the heart. But a, a brand new song called Climb Aboard, which is very current. Um, and it's about, uh, I live right down on the south coast of England. So, you know, 50 miles south of London, right on the seaside. And that's where all these poor souls, these um, migrant um, people in the boats are coming over from France and drowning, babies drowning in the sea. It's shocking, you know. Um, a real human misery, and that's just 10 miles from where I live. So Climb Aboard is um, a kind of ironic take on that, Way, you know, Climb Aboard, come on, you know, the the, the smugglers, right. everything's going to be fine, come on, it's a new hope. And then, of course, they're on the boat and they realise that it isn't. So that's, a, and I'm, we're singing that on an upcoming tour in about uh, five weeks' time, and I can't wait to sing that one, can't wait to sing it.
0: That's awesome. So what have you been, actually... What have you been doing during this downtime, in, in this COVID? Because kind of trying to keep the album going and live. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I didn't. You know, I've been doing it so wrong. I didn't struggle with the kind of like, oh god, I need to gig. I've got to get back out there, like many others did, and I absolutely respect that. I was speaking to a German fan last night, and she's one of these girls, and she won't mind me saying this. You know, she's not got a boyfriend. Um, all her friends are gig people you know yeah and not round the corner but from other parts of germany so the only time she really sees her friends is at gigs and she's just you know still everything everybody's still cancelling the american bands aren't coming over yet and she's really really distraught you know she has no life at all because the music isn't there now i am one of the people of the lucky people on the other side but you know, I got my studio. I'm married. I got a daughter, and you know, nice people in the area. So I, I haven't had it tough. But what I did pledge to myself was to not just sit around and um, <laughs> get fat. Um, so I've, um, like, well, I've got this was great. I'll give uh, Kate, Kate, me, a plug. She's a beautiful journalist uh, from the States, and um, me and Steve Lukather and, um, uh. Jeffrey Martinez from Suave and um, was it Eric from the Hooters, Pilsen from Foreigner. We all wrote like a short story of um, minds about me meeting me as a youngster in a pub and going, come on. Man. So that's, that was nice to write. Um, I sang uh, on a re-release, I'm sorry, not re-release, on a Animals by Pink Floyd, Cleopatra Records' put out a revisited version. So you've got all these heavy proggers, Aldemiola, Billy Cobham, um, Martin from Jethro Tull. Yep. He and I did um, Pigs on the Wing. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. Uh, that kept me busy for a while. Um, what else? Um, and then one of the, uh, just because just because I can, um, I do this podcast with a dear friend who is a proper Bona fide classical composer, you know he's like <laughs> very angular modern classical writing, yeah. But he loves my melodies, so we combine and we're writing all kinds of things, and it's maybe just for fun. But one little gem has come out, and maybe I can send it to you, and you might be able to for, you know force it into the show or whatever. Yeah, it's mio fiore, and it's um like a Puccini aria, Puccini aria. Absolutely beautiful. And and one quick story on it is this that I wrote the lyrics for it when um m- my daughter's mum and I split up and I read them to Kevin and he was like, Man, you, you can't sing those, man. They're too 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 harsh, and just you it's too much, too raw. So I sat on it and um it became Lauren's theme, which is the orchestral piece at the end at of Green. The the- um, and then Nigel and I got together, and he said, "You know, we really should try and put a put some a, a tune a, me- a song to it." So we, we got out the words again, and um, he said, "It can't be in English. We have to do it in Italian." Um, so we flew in my best friend Sandrina Sedona from Italy. She came in, yeah. and I gave her the English words, and of course, the Italian words are so much longer that nothing fitted. <laughs> <laughs> so uh it was hilarious Anyway, we we ended up with Mio fury and um i'll send it to you yeah I'm very proud yeah, of the me. last
0: two things i want to ask and actually is a combined question you, you have a song berlin and winter and then frigid is england kind of feels like they tie together sort of too it can theme sort of like by titles kind of like a play on each other isn't it it feels like at least some kind of loose threading mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> No, no? But I like what you said.
0: <laughs> it just it just sticks out in my mind. Like I, I literally hear you no know, wow, it feels like you're kind of I never thought of part. that.
1: I never thought of that and I like it a lot. I will I will work on that. We maybe we can put them back to back. Um yeah. Berlin and Winter is a Your class of weatherman is what really is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Berlin and is a really nice story, Sean. Um the uh Cutting Crew were playing in Aberdeen up in the north of Scotland in November 1989 and Kevin and I were getting ready to go to the gig you know just sitting around cigarettes and boo beer and we saw on television the wall the Berlin Wall fall it was that first night we all remember seeing it you know the kids yep. running through and uh you know, I'm getting quite tearful now thinking about it um one of the in, in European history anyway in the last 50 years uh, one of the biggest moments and um we were playing in Berlin three days later. You couldn't make it up. So we were playing in Berlin. Wow. wow. Had a hit record. We had a sold-out huge club. And this is a true story. Um, we get there, and 20 people came to the show. Nobody wanted to come to a cutting group gig. You know, they're all down on the wall. So yeah. we... Uh, <laughs> We invited the, all 20 people up onto the stage, and some guys were playing drums and singing, and, and we, we did about six songs, and that was it we just oh, it was about. It's a fantasy song about a, a man who, during his teenage years, would have been you know, sequestered, ordered by the communist regime to build the wall. Then he lived through all those horrible atrocities and you know, the shootings of people trying to escape. Right. But he was there, but he was there that night when it fell. That's
0: a good story. It's very, it's very visual. And that's why I thought it was moving too. it. It draws a lot to the scene with the title and everything. It just feels like it's powerful.
1: Yeah, I'm going to put those two together from now on. And I should uh, read it. I just, I did, I did. It's the only song ever that we didn't write. Um, we were working on the Compass Mentis album, which is, which was the album. This is kind of what the story is about. Um, we made the third album. It was super album. And we sat there listening to playback and there was a, like a knock on the street. And these guys came in with the classics of accountants look, hello, don't mind us. We're just going through a few things and they were making notes and all this. And um, we delivered the album, I think a week later and got dumped, you know, that night, along with 250 other bands that day. Wow. Um, all of the MI Virgin, you know, it was like the night of the long nights because things were changing, companies were being bought by bigger companies all the time. I'm not bitter about that, I don't mind, but that song was the song that I thought would have been our big, you know, we've been around, we went away, we'll come back, I always thought that was a big hit record. And we didn't write it. Uh, Chris, our producer, Chris Neal found it, and that just shows you how we moved on. Me And Kevin, you know, we normally would be like, we write our songs, you know, Uh, but this... Gorgeous little funny demo, scruffy, you could barely hear the tune, uh, written by Jeff Lowe. Um, and Kevin just said, Leave me alone. I don't want you to come near me. I love this song. So he arranged all of the, all the piano, all the different mm-hmm. changes and everything. And I didn't wasn't allowed to hear it until the day I sang it. And we've never no. worked like that. I think because you
0: know Berlin was one, but Frizy was added to it. I'm like, wait, and I feel like there was a theme right there. Because I'd never put them together either, except for this. I Was like, oh, oh wow. wow, it's kind of a good thing. You need to do a third in your trilogy and kind of wrap it all together.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, where, <laughs> where do, do you live? I'll
0: take it. You should do. You were you were over um, the Caribbean. You need to like like a summer in the Caribbean story. That's what you need to do. You end with a nice warm
1: <laughs> story. Grinning Souls. The actual title track of Grinning Souls is about Barbados when we live there. So yeah, I oh, see. So. That's the three. So that's entirely- Berlin and
0: grinning souls, and frigid England. I like it. I can actually just change it to make it. Fr- I'm in New England, in Connecticut. So I can just be frigid as New England, and we've got all the snow and ice here too. So, yeah, you know,
1: beautiful part, part of the world. world.
0: It's very nice. This has been fun. I want to thank you for coming on. I want to have everybody check out your stuff. The links will be below, and they can click on them and check out all your stuff. You got any thank you. tips or anything going on with your tour coming up?
1: Yeah, we've got the, um, obviously, British fans only. Well, hey, I don't know if Americans can fly in yet or not. I've got so confused with the travel regulations, but we've got four shows with Go West, a wonderful 80s band. Um, That's what I've been doing all day, is checking out, um, have we got it here, checking out charts and pretending I know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just sitting, you you know, the guitarist Gareth is saying, so in bar 53, and I'm like, So pretty
0: stressful. You're gonna need a light and and an iPad to kind of thumb through it while you're playing. Right? Great to uh, meet you, Sean. Thank you.